Welcome back to Sashimi. For the last episode of the season A, I interviewed Bruno Aziza, the head of data and analytics at Google Cloud. Bruno is a very well-known figure in the data analytics space and was a perfect person to cover this complex subject for the podcast. We spoke about the evolution of data analytics, data lakes, data warehouses, the industry tailwinds, and where data analytics is going from here. Enjoy! Bruno, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Well, obviously, you're very well, well known in uh, data analytics space. But for people who don't know, maybe you can say a few words about yourself. Sure. So first of all, my last name is Aziza. You notice it reads form backwards the same way. It's an easy way to remember me if you don't know me. I'm the head of data analytics at uh, Google Cloud. If you don't know me, I specialize in everything data, AI, and analytics. That's the only thing I've done in my in my career. If you think about it, I started with uh, startups uh, that you might have heard of, companies uh, like Alpine Data Labs that sold to Tipco, AdScale, and SciSense. I also worked at mid-sized companies like Business Objects, a company that was really a legendary company in the business intelligence space. I know you, you had Tracy and Dave Kellogg. I worked uh, mm-hmm. with them uh, back then. It was crazy growth. We bought Crystal Decisions and Acta and a bunch of companies there. And then I worked at large organizations, Microsoft, where I helped them get to a billion dollars for data and analytics, Oracle, and now at Google. So exposure to three sizes of companies and, and all of that in data AI and analytics. So what's your role in Google? So my role at Google is I run what's called outbound product management for everything data and analytics. So think about it as products like BigQuery and Dataflow and PubSub and Dataproc, Spark Serverless. BigQuery Machine Learning, BigQuery Omni, which is our multi-cloud solution for analytics, primarily focus on three big things. The first one is our communities of customers and partners and analysts. And, you know, the point there is bringing the community to our product strategy. You know, I spend about 60% of my time there. The second area is around solutioning. My team builds solutions for customers to accelerate their path to data analytics consumption. So think about as if you want to do anomaly detection, fraud analytics tomorrow with the Google uh, Cloud stack. We have tools and guidance and sample code and sample data to help them do that. And then finally, the go-to-market. You know, we have a fast-growing business, and my job is to make sure that it continues growing fast and even faster. Yeah, it's obviously grown fast, as you said. We're going to touch on that. So data analytics, the term has been thrown around a lot. And if you talk to people, everybody understands the importance of data in analytics. They can actually tell you why it's important. But if you start digging, they'll stuck because it's actually pretty complex. Yeah. So why don't we take a step back and explain the term data analytics in the very simple terms, what it is and what it isn't. Yes. So uh, you're right. It's a term that is thrown uh, a lot around for, you know, defining lots of different things, kind of a little bit like uh, artificial intelligence, right? Everybody's in the AI space today. A few years ago, everybody was in the analytics space. And so the, the big question is, you know, beyond this confusion for people listening to this, does data analytics strategy mean I got to have a BI tool like a Tableau and a data warehousing tool like a BigQuery and then I'm done? And the answer is no. It's like you you noted, it's a lot more sophisticated than that. Andreessen Horowitz actually wrote a great piece. I think they called the modern data stack. And I, I think for most part, it's close to what the good definition of what data analytics is. Now, you know, I don't think I'll insult VCs here by saying they tend to hear the story from their startups before they hear it from their customers. But I think in this case, they got it pretty correct. And I think there's at least five or six components to think about. The first one is when you think about winning with data and analytics, the first thing you got to worry about is your data sources, right? So think about in your context, where does the data come from? Does it come from a nicely put together database? Does it come from an application? Does it come from an IoT device? Is it in the cloud? Is it on-prem? So the second one is, 
how do you plan on ingesting this data so it could start making sense, right? So the ingest phase is really an important one as part of the data analytics stack, which is how are you ingesting this data? Are you real time? Are you batch, right? So and we like to talk about this idea of right time, which is real time might be every millisecond, batch might be once a day. Well, somewhere in between these two things is a consideration customer needs to think about. The third consideration is, well, how do you store this data? Do you store it in nicely organized tables? Everything's relational and you know it's a nice data warehouse. Do you store unstructured information? Typically, people talk about the data lake. Do you do both? What kind of workloads? Operational analytics workload, both workloads. What type of analysis do you do? That's the fourth consideration I would kind of think about is, are you primarily focused on doing historical analysis? Meaning, hey, what happened yesterday? What happened a month ago? And what do we know about our business? Or are you interested in now in a phase where you want to predict what's going to happen tomorrow? And what's my impact? And then finally, I think the fifth phase that's an important one is this idea of activation. Now, Andreessen Horowitz, I think in their diagram, they call it output. I'm not a, in love with that term because that feels like it's very passive. And unfortunately, it is the most important phase of it is now that I've described kind of this pipeline and how you get all that data, what's most important is how do you get value out of it? How do you get people engaged with it? That's why I like the term activation because the whole point of why we're doing all this is you can make better decisions. And customers struggle with that. Like 70% of organizations, I think that's research from Accenture, still complain they can get value out of their data. That's because they're unable to break up kind of the process because there's just so much noise around it and everything is data analytics. So hopefully these five kind of considerations are helpful to your audience. You said you've been in the, in this industry for quite some time. So can you kind of go back and walk us through the evolution of it? Yes. And the space is, you know, what's interesting is when I started 25 years ago, almost 30 years ago, because I, I was passionate about data from day one, nobody really cared about it. And now I feel like I'm vindicated because finally everybody realizes, well, without data, we can't differentiate. But in the last 30 years, there was really three phases of the maturity of data for the average organization. The first 10 years where companies were starting to adopt it, everything was centralized. Everything needed to be into a data warehouse. And this is when you saw companies like Teradata and others really kind of grow because they had a machine on premise you can control. They can bring all that data. It could scale and so forth. The second phase, you think about it as liberation of the business user and this decentralization of analytics where people said, hey, this is great that it took you nine months to get all that data together into a data warehouse, but I can't get access to it. To get access to it, I got to get on the IT treadmill. I got to fill out a form so that IT can tell me, hey, what's in this big black box? <laughs> all I want is I want to know how many orders were fulfilled last month or maybe even yesterday or maybe a minute ago. And that was just really hard to get. And that's where you saw vendors like Tableau and the business intelligence tools really come out and say, hey, look, we have ways to connect to this big black box, if you will, and now make it possible for a business analyst to build dashboards and really know and give visibility. The limitation of that model was that primarily people were creating dashboards for themselves or they were moving data around. And so we ran into, you know, can this really scale? Can it be responsive? What happens with the governance of the data? So there's a lot of questions. So as it became popular, it became difficult to manage. Third phase we're in is really transforming both the way the data is stored, because now the data is not in one black box, it's in the cloud. It's on multiple clouds. It's in multiple on-premise environments. It's in applications that are growing amazingly fast. And so CIOs have to look at it and say, okay, well, first, what's my storage strategy? And how do I make sure that I have visibility to all my data? And then second, the way people consume the data is no longer through a dashboard. It's on their mobile phone. Now we have NLP, right? We have natural language processing. So you could talk to Google and ask it, you know, any question you want. And so now you need to accommodate different way of activating people and data. And it's really, you know, a challenge, I think, for a lot of organizations that are trying to mature there. 
You mentioned data lake earlier, and now you uh, mentioned data warehouse. Can you explain that? Because that's been thrown around quite a bit too. Absolutely. And there's a, a lot to watch out for here, right? So in one of my Forbes columns, I talked about be careful if you're a buyer, be careful of what I call vendor speaks, which is vendor speak is that if you're listening to a software vendor that sees the world through a data lake lens or data warehousing lens, everything's going to be a data lake and everything's going to be a data warehouse. But there are critical differences. So typically a data lake is a place where you're going to drop all the data you have, structured and structured data. And the primary use case, if you will, is for basically experimentation, trying to understand, hey, when I bring all this data together, when I've kind of dumped all this data into this highly cost-efficient environment, what happens if I throw data scientists at it? What are insights I'm going to go out and discover? And so typically the traits of a, of a data lake is unstructured data. The user is typically a data scientist, and it's about experimentation, building, if you want models on top of it, so you can understand at very large scale. So for people listening to us, you know, in the past five years, data lakes were built on Hadoop. Now we have technology in the cloud that enables you to scale data lakes, you know, without having the maintenance issues that Hadoop had. A data warehouse is a lot more of a structured environment. So typically you have structured data there. The consumers of a data warehouse typically are business analysts, even information workers and so forth. And there you're starting to structure in a way where you can ask it standard questions. How many orders happened last week? How many people came and visited my store? Things like that. So there it's more about hot dog business intelligence types of use cases. Whereas in the first case, the data lake is more about exploration. We don't really kind of know the questions. We want to run some models and see what the data is going to tell us. And so there are vendors out there telling you, hey, these two things should come together. There is some overlap between these use cases, but it's not 90%. And so we got to be really careful for customers when they make their choices. Start with the use case. Don't start with the vendor speak. What is it that you're trying to solve for? And you might find out that you'll need a data lake and a data warehouse. But the important thing is, will these solutions integrate nicely? So you can go from use cases to use cases. Choosing one to solve both problems could lead to issues and bad results. Speaking of vendors, there are so many different vendors in this space. And I saw in, the, in your article in Forbes, why is this the case? Is it because there are so many different use cases or because there's too much money in the system where everybody's willing to be funded? So there, there are a few trends behind it. I think the first thing you write in, in this article you're referring to, I was writing about the 2021 data landscape. If you go through it and if you go back to the edition of uh, in 2012, there were categories you could count, right? You could go through and I think there's seven or eight categories you could go through. So, you know, the, the space was fairly understandable. You look at this version this year and it's just, you can't even count the categories. Forget counting the logos of companies. We can't even comprehend the categories. And I think the reason is primarily due to at least five or six trends that I see. The first one, of course, is these workloads we talked about, right? The data warehouse and the data lake converging. And now people saying, wow, I've got all this data. And how do I actually understand this data type? So there's a need for solutions around that. The second is what we call the convergence of workloads between artificial intelligence and business intelligence. So in the past, business intelligence were, you know, dashboards that you had to work for. What if there's a dashboard that actually works for you? Or now I'm pushing insights to you. And so there's a huge trend of companies building artificial intelligence that will actually create auto-generate models, auto-generate insights. So we help people making decisions faster. There's a huge trend around real time. So we talked about, you know, if you want to have access to your data, it's no longer efficient to just wait for it, right? So 
a lot of the decisions that our customers are making using our platform is it's millisecond responses, right? It's, a great example is chess.com, right? Something that's happening in the game right now, am I able to enable you know, a scenario where I'm suggesting something to that user and proposing a service or proposing a type of subscription and so forth? You know, We have companies that are using games and if they want to be able to detect foul language within the game, that needs to be immediate. So this idea of real time is really pushing new use cases. Multi-cloud, another great scenario here. We've got big vendors, right? Of course, Google and Amazon and Microsoft. And customers have investment in these three kind of areas. And so you need now vendors that help you manage a multi-cloud hybrid type of environment. And then finally, my favorite of all of them is what I call the rise of the insights consumers. Now, the way people want to work with data is by just going to something that looks like the Google site, type in the search, and then you'll get the answer. And so there's also a bunch of companies that are trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? If you look at the investment in NLP, it's one of the top investment areas for our space because we're trying to make insights a lot more accessible, available to non-business analysts, not data scientists. It needs to be available to everyone. Today, the adoption of insights is in the 30% range. So even after 30 years of all this, we're still not there in making information easily consumable to people. But do you see tailwinds coming from COVID, push the digitalization? Absolutely. I mean, we see it with our customers. You know, they have this immense acceleration. We talk about chess.com here as a great example. Right? It's a company that went from 20 million to 70 million users in a year. I think they experienced in six months the equivalent of 10 years worth of digital acceleration. So that's an online vendor. But if you then talk to you know other customers, they're all telling us that. And, and it's primarily because they're trying to evolve through three big phases of data-driven digitalization. You know, the first phase is this idea of building what we call data ocean. And data ocean means... Do I have a handle around all the data my organization could be working with inside my walls, outside my walls. And so here it's really complex because you're dealing with organizations that have legacy and we don't want to discard the stuff that got us there, but the stuff that's going to got us to the next stage might be different. So data ocean is the first thing that people worry about. The second thing is this idea of the data mesh, right? Which is how do I now centralize data or data governance, if you will, but how do I decentralize analytics? How do I make it sure that I have a standard way of looking at data inside the company, but now I can create an environment for my businesses, my geographies, my business units, so they can work with the data in their own way. Maybe they need to transform it differently. Maybe they have different KPIs relevant to them. All the way to the third phase, which is a, really becomes interesting, where we now see customers building what we call data factories, where they're using data as a product. Think about anomaly detection, fraud analytics, solutions like this that need to be intelligent, that need to be packaged, that are just one click button, and now you've gotten the answer. Uh, we're really excited about that because you know this has been a really challenging phase for a lot of organizations, primarily because they didn't have a multi-cloud strategy, they didn't have data sharing capabilities, they didn't have intelligent frameworks for universal semantic layers. And so this data factory mission is, is a big one to aspire to. Let's think about the modern organization. It could be any organization. What's the typical most common data analytics tools are in there? So there is at least three layers to think about. The first one is the storage layer. And part of that, you know, might include ingestion. How do you get your data? And then here again, you know, this idea of multi-cloud is a dominating theme uh, that we hear a lot about. I think research shows that 92% of organizations will have a multi-cloud strategy. That's a big deal, right? So storage is important. Then there is the layer of what you might call understanding. This is where things like observability platforms, intelligent data management practices occur because it's great to be able to store all that data, but if that data makes no sense or the data quality of it is, you know, makes it unusable, then there's no point to present it to business users. So here, 
the term we hear a lot is data fabric. How do I intelligently catalog, intelligently drive quality into my data so that by the time it's consumed, it's reliable data, if you will. And then the third phase is, you know, the activation as we talked about, right? And this is where you see tools like business intelligence tools, but this is where you see advanced analytics tools and so forth. So typically, you know, a stack for us at Google, you'll have something like a BigQuery or a Spanner for storage layers and data coming from applications. Data ingestion is gonna happen with a tool like Dataflow, for instance. Then observability, or if you will, intelligent data management will occur with a product called Dataplex. And then finally, the consumption of the insights will likely happen with uh, an application like Looker, for instance, a company that we acquired a few years ago. Got it, and that's what's in your tech stack, huh? If I think about my tech stack, I would say, as Google, you know, it will be what the, the stuff I talked about. But if I think about my daily, tech stack, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of data in BigQuery for internal reasons that we use to just see how the business goes and how we understand customers. We use a lot of Looker and Data Studio to build reports and, and kind of a, a semantic layer that just binds all that data to the multiple tools that we end up consuming that data in. I use Connected Sheets a lot. So Connected Sheets is a version of Google Sheets that connects directly to BigQuery and you could query billions of rows using Connected Sheets. It's great because, it, it, you know, for me, when I was at Microsoft, I, I love working with Excel. And so I feel like that's Excel on steroids because now I have access to all this data and, and, and Google Sheets very workable. And it's also in my browser, right? So I can share with people. It's very easy. And then above that, I spend a lot of my time in Google Mail and in Gchat. And of course, on LinkedIn when you and I met and then finally have my iPhone that I used to run most of my business because if you're on the move all the time between meetings and so forth, I'm starting to travel now. So this habit is starting to build again now. So you came to the data analytics way before... Anybody cared. Yeah, anybody cared. So you clearly had this uh, vision. Over the years, you proved to be right, obviously. Where do you see it's going? And where are we in this... In the maturity phase? Yes. You know, I, I would love to say that we're in the first inning, if I use a baseball analogy. I mean, you're from Russia, I'm from France, so maybe we shouldn't use American sport analogies, plus I don't <laughs> know a lot about baseball. But I don't even think we're scratching the surface. And, and the reason for it is we are in such a unique phase of this industry. You know, like I described earlier, you had to think a lot about the pipeline and it was very physical, right? The data needed to be moved, which is now we're in a phase where the data doesn't need to be moved. So that you've got the combination of, there's a lot more data that could be captured. To do work with it, you don't necessarily have to move it. And now you have people that are really interested, the audience that you're trying to serve, they're really interested in having more insights. And so I think what's going to happen, you know, you're going to see different devices. So for instance, I have this, the, the Ray-Ban glasses that Facebook just shipped. I think that's how I'm going to consume insights, you know, in the next 10 years, maybe even the next five years. Uh, most devices that we talk to understand this, right? So much of what we've been through in the tech industry is that we needed to learn how machines talk. Now we've gotten to a point where the machine understands us. So can you imagine, you know, what's possible? So I think the interfaces into data in the future are going to be voice and the consumption is going to be through my eyes. Maybe it'll be lenses. Maybe we won't need glasses anymore. And so I think that's going to be really interesting. If anybody's in college right now listening to this, this is absolutely hands down the industry and the, the segment in the industry to invest in because we are just getting started. Well, this is fascinating. Bruno, obviously, there is so much to talk about. We probably can have a separate podcast dedicated to data analytics. But is there anything that you think I should have asked you that we didn't cover? 
You've done a pretty good job here. I would say maybe the, the thing to leave people with is where could they learn more? And so they're going to expect I'm going to tell them about a Google resource. Actually, I'm not. What I will tell them is we uh, just released this program every Tuesday morning. I talk to customers that share their best practices. And it's not about, hey, which part of Google do you use? And tell me about how happy you are. The questions are around who are you? What are the use cases and what are the best practices? And it's a 10-minute interview. And I would advise people to follow me on LinkedIn because you'll see the post when it comes in every Tuesday morning and reach out to these customers. That is the best way to learn is to learn from these customers that are experiencing amazing success. And so I will give you the link. So hopefully you can add it to the podcast description. But it's really easy. Just Google Data Journeys and uh, you'll see every Tuesday a new video pops up. This past week, we... With Ball.com, a couple of weeks ago, we had KeyBank. I mean, we have companies and customers from all industries, and so it makes it really interesting. And then the whole idea is that we're creating a platform for people to learn in a time where we're just, like I was saying, we're just at the beginning of amazing potential to be realized. And speaking of the resources, I think you wrote a couple of books on the subject. I did. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, write a couple of books. One of the ones that might be uh, relevant for your audience is a book called Drive Business Performance. And kind of the same spirit, uh, as I just discussed, is it's a set of interviews that we conducted with really successful data leaders. And we noticed the six-stage maturity process that they all go through because a lot of it is not really just technology. A lot of it is how you organize yourself, the types of folks you um, hire, how many data people should you have inside your company, right? So it should be 10%, 20%. Uh, and so we try to answer those questions in that book. So yeah, Drive Business Performance, you can Google that as well. And books available on physically, a Kindle and audio as well. Bruno, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hi there, thank you for being on this journey with me throughout the season A. Quite honestly, I did not expect this much interest in the podcast, so I very much appreciate all the followers. I'll start working on season B early 2022, but if you have any suggestion, a guest recommendation, or you or your company would like to sponsor the podcast to make it even better, shoot me an email at asner at yahoo.com. Happy holidays!